everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Today we are in 1 Samuel 14, but before we dive in, just a quick announcement. I feel like a broken record at this point, but the new guided journals are out. So if you've been following along in a journal or would like to start, there is a page dedicated to each day's reading as well as some additional resources to help you in your study. And we will put the link for both the adults journal and the junior journal, that's the one for kids, in the episode description. But all of that said, I am in the podcast studio with today's Devo writer, Danny Lamar. Howdy, y'all. How are y'all? Danny, welcome. Howdy. Are you Howdy. an Aggie? I am an Aggie, Texas yes. A&M University. Whoop. University of Texas A&M, I guess is the proper way. Uh, glad you're here. I'm an Aggie as well. Gig'em. Gig'em. Danny, would you just share a little bit about who you are? How'd you come to know the Lord? Fast forward, what's going on in your world today? Yeah, absolutely. So I am a Texan through and through. I'm uh, from a tiny town called Ovilla, Texas, which is— I've never heard of it. Yeah, and most people haven't. (laughs) It's about an hour south of Dallas and grew up in a really strong Christian home going to church every Sunday and very blessed by that. And really knew the Lord from a young age, I would say very intellectually, but never really knew the weight of my own sin. Um, And it really caused to develop a really— works-based faith and how I can prove myself to others about how good of a Christian that I am, and really struggled with pride because of that, as my family um, had really overcome a lot of historical hardships from, you know, immigration and the Great Depression, and we didn't, you know, the Lamars that want to appear weak as a family were mm. very proud. So combine that with some of the small town of everyone kind of being in your business, uh, that church really didn't have a strong uh, community. And so when I went to A&M, the works that I had really degraded because I was giving into a college lifestyle and really lived in isolation from a lot of believers because community still seems taboo. And I felt almost guilty for going into church uh, at the same time. But that was really kind of my lowest and realized the weight of my sin. Um, and it was really at rock bottom. That was really true life change. Um, Kind of fast forward today, that's—I met my wife uh, in college, Laura. Shout out, Laura. Yes, on a blind date and actually moved back to Dallas. Got plugged into Watermark where Laura was going, much to my chagrin because I never really wanted to join the church or this church. Um, But uh, really saw, like, the the benefits of community. They were truly life-changing with my incredible singles guys group and just became on fire for the Lord. So when would you say— was the moment that you committed your life to the Lord? Was that back at A&M? Was that once you moved to Dallas? Is it Was it a gradual thing? Yeah, so I would, I would say it was a gradual thing of, um, of kind of the pebble in the shoe, so to speak, of um, just the need for, uh, for life change and not necessarily just to try to limp along my faith as it was. And just truly, um, I kind of looked up one day and I realized that, you know, I'm running or trying to run 70 miles an hour towards uh, towards the Lord. That's amazing. I love it. And now you've got a one-year-old. Yes, yes. Uh, so Laura and I had our uh, first child, Ellis. Um, shout out to Ellis. His birthday was hey, June Ellis. 12th. Um, we love you, bud, and uh, are just looking forward to life with him. I love it. And what do you do for work? Yeah, so I work in data governance and technology and so J.P. Morgan Chase. Yeah, cool. so I, I work in tech uh, at, a, at a bank, so not too exciting. But you're a faithful member here, and I'm excited to hear what you have to share with us about First Samuel 14. I know you've got three kind of main points, 
So what's the first one? Yeah, the first one is really just comparing Jonathan and Saul. To start off with, the the chapter begins with Jonathan and his armor bearer um, spying out the Philistines. And Jonathan, just at least by his language, is a guy that you want to run through a brick wall for. I mean, like, come on. He's like, two on 600. Let's go. God's on our side. (laughs) Um, Really reminded me a lot of Romans 8.31 of what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who can be against us? And even four times within six verses, Jonathan shows his heart for the Lord um, and his confidence in God of saying like, the Lord has delivered me. The Lord has given them this. And it was never about Jonathan, but always to God. And he had a lot of bold planning based on God's word and um, his will. It's no wonder that David, the king after God's own heart, was so close with Jonathan because I think they were both like really kindred spirits. Mm. In so many ways could have been a better king than his father, but it was never destined because of Saul's unfaithfulness. And even Genesis 49.10 says that the scepter should not depart from Judah. On the other side, though, we have Saul, and he was chosen as king because of his worldly looks and appearances, not necessarily for having uh, a heart for God. And, you know, I'm glad that God doesn't base leadership on looks because Saul had it all. You know, he's tall, dark, and handsome, and I'm only two of those things. So I'll <laughs> let everyone else decide which Yeah, they which don't two. know. They can only hear you. <laughs> but Saul constantly rejected God um, because he rejected God's word from Samuel by rep- even replacing him with uh, Ahijah, the, one of the wicked sons of Eli. And just surrounded himself with those who rejected God's voice. And First Thess 4, 8 says that, so he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but rejecting God who gives the Holy Spirit within That's you. good. And he even actively leads his country into sin um, by eating animals with blood in them because they're famished. And, and he makes a rash vow of, of not having them, not allowing them to eat, and even blaming his own son for God's silence. It's, it's really interesting. I even—is um, it all right if I jump down to 35? Yes, 35? please do. Verse 35 stood out to me. Uh, it reads, And Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first altar that he built to the Lord. And that stood out because it seems to be pretty far into his kingship for him to just now be building an altar. I mean, I know realistically we're only a few a few pages in, but the fact that he still hasn't built that altar just really struck me in comparison with Jonathan's faithfulness. Definitely. And even so, in a lot of ways, it seems, at least to me, that building that altar was out of damage control. Yeah, not not even a pure heart motive. Right, right. It was more of, oh, oh man, I need to make sure that we're not sinning anymore. Mm -hmm. What's the next point? Yeah, so the next one is just surrounding yourself with um, with community. As I said, I, I think a large part of my faith walk has been with the influence of positive um, community. And I know the other the other side of it of not being wanted to be surrounded by community because of my own fear of being fully known. And it can be a slippery slope towards sin if you don't surround yourself by those who can admonish you and exhort you towards the Lord. So if you juxtapose the the armor bearer of Jonathan and Saul, sacri- uh, and Saul acting on his own accord, mm. it's just a really powerful comparison. Yeah. So to say, hey, Jonathan, he's he's with the young man who's carrying his armor. He's always with him. He's got his guy, his buddy. They're doing life together. Whereas Saul, he's making a lot of these decisions in isolation. There's definitely a, a warning there as you see how the two guys are painted. What's number three, the last one? Yeah, I I think it's just ultimately pointing to Jesus, that it shows that no man will 
truly fulfill the the will of God, that we have to have a king that is of God's heart and of his flesh and, and listens to God's voice and other in order for us to be truly close to him. Um, that, that Jesus is the, really the only one that can do this as he lived a perfect life for us and he's fully man, um, but also fully God. Um, and we when we don't accept that grace given by God, though we, ultim- we ultimately look more like Saul than we do Jonathan wandering aimlessly by our, uh, by our own volition. It's a great question as we close to ask yourself, when, when it comes to your leadership, do you look more like Saul or Jonathan? It's a, it's a challenge. It might be hard to face if you're really honest, but, but a good thing to be asking ourselves. Danny, thank you for being here. Any final thoughts or you feel good? I feel great. Amazing. Well, as always, I am so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.